Welcome to the HMO Property Podcast, where we connect, educate, and inspire the UK's HMO property community. So stop what you're doing, sit back, relax, and enjoy the story. What's up, HMO Nation, and welcome to another episode of the HMO Property Podcast with me, Rupert Wallace. In this episode, we're interviewing successful HMO property investor, Matt Baker. Matt is going to take us on his HMO investment journey, including the ups, the downs, the highs, and the lows. Now, Matt's been investing in HMOs for some four years now. He's completed 12 projects and currently houses 82 tenants. And that's across nine different locations. So let's jump straight in. Matt, welcome to the show. Hi, Rupert. How are you doing? I'm good. Good morning. You're welcome, mate. No problems. Great to see you. Before we dive into the details, Matt, tell us about yourself. Give us your background before you started your HMO journey. Okay. So uh, before property, before HMOs, uh, I was a musician. I still am a musician. So um, I actually call myself a piano playing property investor because I've been playing piano uh, professionally since I was about 18, uh, studying studied music, went to university, um, played lots of jazz and uh, you know, going through the first I suppose, 10 years of my professional career, um, it, was, it was lots of fun, there lots of session work for bands, musicians uh, based in London and Edinburgh and uh, it was it was a really good time, um, and but not particularly financially viable. Um, and uh, that's one of those things that music is. You know, it takes a lot of a uh, lot of time, but you don't get paid a lot for your um, for, for that time. So um, it's it was a fantastic time of life. But I think property is giving me the opportunity and the. Um, and actually, the, the financial wealth to be able to go and do music on my terms. Excellent. Give us some of the highlights of being a professional pianist. Uh, so we did uh, quite a few festivals. So Tea in the Park is probably the most, for the biggest one uh, awesome. up in Scotland. Yeah, so that was fun. Um, being held behind Beyonce's tour bus for about two hours <laughs> <laughs> was not. Um, yeah, we were kind of shipped in the back of Tea in the Park and they said, yeah, you've got to stop. Uh, we waited and waited and waited. It was like, What's going on? It was yeah, Beyonce's tour bus because um, she was playing that same year. But uh, yeah, really loved it. Uh, lots of recording um, gigs around the world um, uh, with a couple of bands. And um, uh, yeah, one, one of them called the Mars Patrol. Uh, they kind of uh, kind of not doing much at the moment anymore. But it, it was a good, good, good time to be um, in, in music. Awesome. How many years are you doing that, Matt? Uh, well, I kind of had different hats because from the age of 18, I was a jazz musician for about five, six years, recorded a few albums with uh, my own bands. And then uh, when, I, when I left uni, I uh, came to London and that was probably about, about another seven, eight years of, of working in, in music in, in the London scene. 
Amazing, man. Amazing. Uh, do you know what? There's something about, I love to do, to do that, to be a professional pianist. I just think it's such a fantastic thing to be able to pull out at any given party and uh, get the crowd going. I think it's great. Although the, uh, the piano player doesn't get as much, um, uh, as much attention as the guitarist. The guitarist can put it out the campfire, whereas the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to pull out you know, your piano out of your, um, uh, out of your sleeve. So, yeah. <laughs> Matt, tell us, tell us how you got into the world of HMO property investing. Well, that was kind of a bit by accident, really, because as well as being um, a gigging musician, I also taught piano and, and I had a music school in uh, South Oxfordshire. And it was when I was trying to grow that business that I came across uh, different networking events, different business events. And I went to um, an event in the uh, beginning of 2015 and um, there were other speakers talking about you know, SEO marketing, social media marketing, public speaking, uh, share trading and property investing. And uh, there's a lady called Jill Fielding who was speaking about property investing and how you could get into it with no time and no money and obviously those two things sparked something in me going actually well property is always something that I thought was a good idea to do but I thought I'd have to make my money in something else and try to make it in the music industry really make my millions there then I'll invest it in property but actually when I heard her speak it was like well actually I could make my millions in property then actually invest that into the music that actually makes a lot more sense so that's how I started so I actually educated myself and uh, then just got buying and, and HMO. So I bought my first HMO that year. Excellent. And was, was anything holding you back getting into property? Yeah, well, I suppose the, the, the initial thing that would have held me back was not having the cash to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously the, the, the mindset that actually it is possible um, without having to, to start with, 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 well, you can do it from a standing start. Whereas I had assumed that you have to have money to get going, that you have to be in the trade, in the in the business in some way, shape or form. So I think that was a misnomer and uh, kind of getting myself around other property investors and developers was was the thing that actually helped me overcome that. Mm, it's a common limiting belief and you're not, not the first person to to answer the question like that in fact yeah. it's very commonly answered like that so a good limiting belief to smash through right tell us about your very first hmo property deal matt where it was what you bought yep. it for what you spent how it went what mm -hmm. you enjoyed give us a flavor okay so my very first uh, hmo deal uh, is up in warrington and it was uh bought it four hundred and five thousand pounds and it was a four bedrooms mid terrace property and it was run down it'd been lived in by a um kind of lha tenant for about five or six years left it in a bit of a state of disrepair and what we decided to do was to smash it all apart and then start again so Amazing. we spent, spent about, about 60 65 pounds on it and we turned it upside down literally turned it upside down so we took the kitchen upstairs and uh, all the bedrooms downstairs because um, as anyone who's in HMOs knows uh, when it comes to refinancing properties and getting uh, valuations the, the commercial valuations that you can get with HMOs uh, the less like a family home it is the more likely you are to get your higher commercial valuations 
So that's what we what we attempted to do there. And uh, yeah, that then became a five uh, bedroom HMO, uh, the very first one. So that that performed very well, making around about about, about eight between eight and nine hundred pounds profit, so uh, per month. So happy with that as a very first one. Good deal to start on. Matt, go into a bit more detail. What did you buy it for? What did you spend on the refurb? And what was it worth at the end? Okay, so uh, we bought it for £105,000. Uh, we spent roughly 60000 65000 on it, so total of 170000 uh, That property is worth around about £200,000 if it was to be um, re- revalued or refinanced today. Perfect. And it cash flows 900 bucks. Sounds yeah. like a great first deal. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah, no, no. Who doesn't want an extra best part of a thousand pounds every single month? Exactly. All right, Matt, how has HMO investing changed your life? Well, HMO investing has, well, first of all, financially, but also confidence wise. You know, I think that the finances are a uh, they're not a given because obviously you don't just get the money you've got to put the work in to to create that that um that income but uh it, it is more about the confidence understanding that you that anyone can do this and and actually it's, it's grown my confidence as a business owner because um investing in hmos has really made me work on business systems i have to be organized um have to work with lots of other people and uh, it's grown myself as a person. I think that's probably the biggest thing that's come out of uh, you know, investing in HMOs, realistically. Excellent. Good answer. We like that. It's not all about the cash flow. No, the cash is, cash is king, obviously. And cash flow is, is the, the lifeblood um, of every business. Um, but I think, actually, uh, if your mindset is more important because you're going to have hurdles and there's always issues. And it's actually if you don't if you have the wrong mindset, those hurdles will stop you. They'll hold you back, and you won't go as far as you can you can for you to reach your potential. I couldn't agree more, Matt. What's your favourite part of HMO property investing? My favourite part is probably um, putting the deal together. So uh, I'm not a massive fan of trawling through Rightmove or Zoopla. Now I have a have a business partner that does that now. Um, but I really love, you know, when we kind of get a list of properties and we, we, we've already bought, bought narrowed them down and we go through them and we're like, yeah, this one's that, looking at floor plans and rearranging them. Um, I actually really love uh, dealing with planning. That's one thing I've... I've <laughs> it's <laughs> quite unusual. It is quite unusual. I really love the planning aspect because since we started th- uh, three and a half, four years ago, um, all of our HMOs now, we only do ones that go through planning because that's our that's our, our niche we want large hmos and article uh, an article four hmos that's what we want uh, so we go through planning and actually understanding the planning system it's a bit of a game it has something which so which i really love so using permitted development rights and then going through planning and uh, i actually love rearranging and, and, and doing that side of it once the builders are on site i'm not actually that fussed i will go and have a look i, I really love to see it transformed but setting the project up and pushing go is probably what i enjoy the most excellent love that you sound like i mean you're a pianist you're obviously a creative person so actually putting the deal together sounds like it fits you pretty well yeah no, i agree with that matt we've talked about the past before we move on to the present and your future plans in hmo property let's take a minute to thank our sponsors 
Are you looking for an effortless HMO mortgage experience? If that's a yes, there's only one place to go. www.thehmomortgagebroker.co.uk The UK's number one specialist HMO mortgage broker. They're so specialised that they don't do anything else. HMO mortgages, HMO remortgages and HMO bridging. That's it. They have access to every HMO lender out there and even some exclusive products not available to other brokers. With lightning fast service and A1 communication, they're easily the best HMO broker in town. So to experience HMO lending made easy, go to www.thehmomortgagebroker.co.uk today. Matt, fast forwarding to the present day, tell us about your current portfolio. Okay, so as I alluded to uh, in your previous question, the current portfolio is uh, taking a slightly different shape. We're going slightly larger rooms. We're going all en suite. We're going planning game. So the current portfolio, uh, when we're adding to it, it's bigger properties. And one thing that we've learned is that you can't just take a building, cut it up and expect to rent it out. Uh, because they, we, I definitely did my research to begin with, but... Uh, yeah, I think we do a lot more due diligence now on making sure that we put together what the tenant wants, what the tenant needs, because HMOs are essentially all about the tenant. And, uh, and the existing portfolio, um, you know, we talk about instead of HMOs, we talk about co-living, we talk about um, you know, the, the amenity, the facilities that the tenants have. And you know, the, the larger projects that we're doing at the moment are all about um, that sense of community and building that into how we market what we create. Perfect. Okay, so talk to me. What what kind of tenants do you house? Um, what kind of market fit do you go for? Do you go for high end? Do you go for workers? Do you go for low end? Or are you are you mixed across the portfolio? We are mixed uh, to a degree. And uh, you mentioned at the beginning that we we're in nine different locations, uh, and that is not by accident. We definitely we started in one area. We grew a portfolio in that area, and then we thought, well, I can't quite, we're quite happy with with this with this portfolio here. Now let's pick some other areas, and we researched from scratch what was what was going to work there, who our tenants were going to be, and what the cash flow would be. And um, then we're growing, currently growing in a couple of areas off the back of that. Um, and high end would be in in the, most of the marketplaces. We go larger rooms. Uh, we've got a couple of areas that are more blue collar workers uh, and slightly lower rents. We don't expect those as high. And actually, we are at the moment in the purchase of in the process of purchasing um, an old guest house, which actually will be for social housing tenants. Because one thing we've realised is, you know, we're quite good at creating these high end HMOs, the things that are designed um, to be really, really nice and does, and that command the best rents in the area. But actually, that's not necessarily everything that you need as a landlord. And we felt that we should be doing something more socially responsible to help the other end of the housing market that actually really need that accommodation, uh, probably a lot more than the people at the, the, the top end. So uh, we thought that was a good thing to do. That is a great and noble thing to do. Tell me honestly, do the numbers work as well? Well, it's this is our first one. Do the numbers work as well? Depends how you structure it. And um, we think we have a model that will work better than our high-end HMOs. 
with uh, lower 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 time input by any chance because it's social? Is it fully managed, or are you doing it? So yes, we will. In order to do this, we will need to employ someone specifically to deal with this. So um, there's going to be an upfront cost to us as a business. But once it's up and running, we do believe that um, it will create more money because we'll be dealing with the different councils and uh, directly and um, they have budgets to uh, basically uh, create emergency housing. Got it. Understood. Sounds like a great one. Now, you've done at least 12 HMOs. Tell us about your single best HMO investment today. Okay, well, I'll, I'll tell you the one which I, I love the most currently, uh, because I, I think it will change when my current project is finished. I think right. probably will probably become my favourite, but we'll go with the one that is finished and, and, and all done. Um, but it had its downs as well as its ups. Um, but this one was an old office, a, an insurance broker's office in the centre of Warrington. And it was, it was in an okay condition. We bought it, it had ground floor and first floor. Uh, this project um, ha also had a basement, which was you know, relatively dry and had quite a bit of head height and also had quite a high attic room as well so we thought there must be something that we can do with this to make it make it better so what we decided to do after we went with around a few different iterations but we ended up with splitting it into a large hmo and then a flat in the ground floor because it was an office uh, we could use permitted development to create as number the, the as not well as many dwellings within it as we liked and we thought let's not split it as flats because we think there's a higher value as uh, getting a commercial yield-based valuation on the total building, which uh, turned out to be true. Excellent. All right. So, but why was it your best? Why did you like it so much? I, I love it because uh, we get 20% above the market rent and it's never empty. Tell us your secret, Matt. <laughs> um, by creating the best product on, on, in the market. So, by having the, the rooms are big, we're talking 12 to 15 square meters. The en suites are probably three square meters. Um, we didn't make it pokey. We didn't put in as many rooms as we as we could. Um, we used the building to its best. We um, created a lot of amenity. So we've got you know 25 square meters of space for um, the eight tenants in there, and so it might be close to 30 square meters of space. Uh, because actually that's what's important uh, and identifying what the tenants want and because it's over the road from the station the main station which can take you to manchester liverpool to london um, within an hour and 45 minutes it's uh, a great attraction to tenants because they don't need to worry about commuting it's just on their doorstep you can get to london from an hour and 45 minutes from warrington mm. <laughs> The investors down south, uh, I'm not sure they know that. Otherwise, they might be pulling you up there pretty soon, you know. It takes me longer than that to get across London. I know. It's, uh, it, you know, it's one of those towns that could be a commuter town. It's that, that train. If you get the fast train, um, it only stops once in between. I think it stops in Milton Keynes and London. That's it. Um, it's quicker than Manchester, I think. Fab. And who wouldn't want... 20% above market rents. Fantastic. Matt, yeah. next up, tell us about one significant mistake that you've made in your HMO business that by sharing, you might help others avoid. Okay, so I think the biggest mistake um, 
was 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 probably around uh, builders and contractors and uh, doing due diligence. So on is actually on that same project uh, we had the, in in Warrington um, that we were looking looking for a contractor. We we found a contractor through uh, a contact who recommended this person, and then they had a business partner they, that they were working with, and we trusted the person that we were given and then that person couldn't do it and then we ended up in, uh, taking on the, the other person's business partner who ended up to be not very good so actually and the reason we did that is because we really just wanted to get it going we kind of didn't do we didn't do as much due diligence as we normally would or definitely would now so actually um i think the the lesson was in in just doesn't matter how much pressure you are under to get things started, how much uh, you want things to progress, because actually you know, that cost is a few, you know, a few thousand pounds in in extra cost because the the guy basically did things um, to make the property worse um, so that he could fix it essentially. What did What did he do? Come on, uh, give us the details. Not knocking down walls. Oh, nice. That <laughs> um, didn't necessarily need knocking down. And knocking them down before he told us about it he said oh this wall isn't structurally sound therefore we're going to replace it um, and then before we had a chance to get an engineer around to check it yeah yeah, yeah um, he'd knocked it down and said right we're going to rebuild it and um, despite having a specification to work to um, he just did his own thing so we decided quite quickly thankfully to bring in a project manager to basically manage him out and then retender properly for this for the scheme so um, that was our, I suppose, our, our biggest learning. And off the back of that, we now do not do any projects without our own independent project manager as an intermediary. And yes, we pay a little bit extra for that, but actually we're doing big stuff. And we're doing, you know, last year we had about six projects on, on the go at the same time. Mm-hmm. You can't manage that from a distance. And, you know, I lived in Brighton and I was living in London while this was going on. I'd moved down to Brighton. And You've got to, you've got to have someone who's there, your eyes and ears on site, because you've got to be, you know, really take the reins of it. Otherwise, these things can really you know run away from you, and that's our biggest learning. Because yeah, as, as I said at the beginning, I like to push go on projects, and then I'm not the best at keeping on top of it. On a, yeah. I can't do that on a weekly basis, doing the, the number and the scale of projects we want to do. So we have the professionals to do that for us, um, and I think that is our biggest learning. Matt. You live in Brighton. You've got projects in nine locations. Are you on the road all the time? No. No, no. We, we, uh, that's what, as I said, we have teams. So, uh, Who does we, your viewings for initial projects when you go and try and find, uh, find a, a deal? So uh, we, we, depending on where it is, uh, will depend on who we send. But um, I generally, if it's more than probably an hour and a half away from us, um, I'll send someone that we've got in the area. So it would be project, probably a project manager that we have um, or a letting agent or an estate agent that I know and trust. So we'll go send them. And because we do most of our appraisals uh, on desktop appraisals, uh, we know what we're buying. We know the size of what we're buying because we're basically buying space because we know how we're going to revalue it. We're going to revalue it commercially. We buy the space. If there's enough space, we're going to go and spend a lot of money on that property. So as long as we know, 
roughly how much we're going to spend, then we know whether that deal works. And we're generally buying asking or just below asking price because we, we're adding value through planning permission. Got it. Lovely. Matt, tell us about your HMO portfolio plans for the next 12 months. Okay, so uh, we actually have very specific plans for the next 12 months. I, I actually started on, in October last year um, when I went on a, a mastermind retreat. And within that retreat, I uh, and my business partner, Niall, um, we set a plan of it's called Project 96. And Project 96 is to add 96 rooms or units to our portfolio this year. So that, whether that's flats or rooms. And so we started, the, well, the plan was to start looking in February um, and get 12 units agreed every month from February to October. When we're going to go back to Bali and go, yes, we've got 96 units, which is the... Uh, which is the plan. So um, uh, we had doubled our portfolio every year since we started, and 96 is pretty much doubling the 83 that we we had, or we currently have. So it's, uh, yeah, it's going to be good. So uh, when you go back to Bali, is it going to be Project 192? I don't know. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's the thing, because you go, actually, when you go in a mastermind, uh, you go with an idea of what it is you think you should do and then when you brainstorm it and you, you kind of talk it out you realize that maybe is that the right thing and then uh, you actually get it, the whole point of having a coach there is to you know bounce the ideas off and and that and actually we thought we were going to go into developments this year and we it was very plainly put in front of our faces well you guys have just found something that really works in hmos why don't you just why don't you just do that and just do a lot of those and we were like, oh, but HMOs are boring now. We've done a few HMOs. So actually what we've done is is combine what we like about HMOs, which is the, the more fancy pants, the more um, more interesting side of it with the planning and, and the works, um, and also the, the, the high income lettings, which you don't necessarily get when you do uh, kind of build to rent schemes. If you're building flats, you don't necessarily get the same high cash flow, especially not if you're building houses. You might end up with decent equity, but we are a cash flow business. We want cash flow um, right now, and that may change when we go back to when we when we go back. Got it. Is there anything apart from building the portfolio that you're up to in property or outside of property that you'd like to share with HMO Nation? Yeah. So um, as well as building our own portfolio, uh, we've dubbed um, what we create. What we're creating are what we call next level HMOs. So. They are HMOs that take your portfolio to the next level. And uh, what we'd like to do is to share that with others and to help others to take their HMO portfolios or even just their property portfolios to the next level. And we, we've set up a mastermind group to help people to do that based down in Brighton. Um, it's, it's very kind of it's very relaxed, as you can tell. Um, you know, we're, we're pretty um, chilled out. We're, uh, I, I'm quite creative. Um, it's not like a stuffy, suity environment. Um, yeah, so uh, so once a month we meet with our masterminders and, and we help them to you know, look for projects. We have experts coming in. It's it's relaxed, but it's very focused. And people people find stuff. You know, just in our mastermind last week, um, you know, we probably found about three or four million pounds worth of deals just in that one day. Um, so we, you know, we're pushing them to go and appraise and go get offers in, and and uh, you know, looking forward to seeing the, the, the results of that. Um, so that yeah, that's something that we're really really passionate about as well is is helping others and um, to achieve because we have an abundant I suppose an abundance mentality is that 
a lot of people say HMOs don't work, HMOs are saturated, um, we can't get tenants, they moan about the tenants, they say, oh, this this happened, that happened, and, and they start to hate their HMO portfolio, they start to hate their tenants. You can't do that. You can't do that because you have to love your tenants. Your tenants are your are the lifeblood of your business. They are the the, the people that pay you pay your pay for your lifestyle. If you want the the flash cars or the financial freedom or the you know the ability to do what you absolutely love, whether it's property or not, you know you've got to, you've got to love your tenant. You've got to put your tenant first. As soon as you do that, profits are inevitable. Profits will grow. Love that. Got to put your tenant first. Next up, Matt, what advice would you give current HMO investors? People that are already in the market. People already in the market. I, I think it's probably just a, an extension of what I was just saying. Uh, it's, it's to ask your tenants you know, whether they think you're doing a good job. To review what you do on an ongoing basis. And to create to create money to create wealth it's not necessarily about buying more properties it's about making sure what you've already got works well so you know an hmo might, might make you say 800 pounds profit to get that 800 pounds to be a, a higher profit you've got to look at your expenses you've got to look at your what you're providing the tenants you know is there a way that you could tweak your rents and you know increase them slightly by adding value to what the tenants get um, is there any way that you need, you can monitor your bills? Are you overpaying on, on stuff? Can you negotiate down? So I think it's about reviewing what you've got and, and asking your tenants, you know, are they happy with what they, what they get? Are, could you do anything better? Obviously, if you don't say, do you want this? 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 Because they're obviously going to say, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> but there are ways of doing, of asking open-ended questions. Um, and again, that's, that's part of what we, we, we teach. And, and I think that um, an existing HMO landlord should be doing that first before growing their portfolio, or at least as well as looking for new projects. I believe the phrase is sweating your assets. Not squeezing, sweating. Sweating the assets or driving your return. You got it. How about any advice that you'd give people who are looking to get into HMOs for the very first time? Okay, so looking to get HMOs for the very first time. Now, I think this comes down to uh, making sure, again, that you can fill your rooms. So the mistake that a lot of people make is jumping on bandwagons, so, and, so going to networking events and hearing people talking about this area or that area, and HMOs work really well over here, or I need to go over there, and, um, and people following, you know, kind of doing rainbow chasing. And that's why HMOs suddenly start not to work for people. It's because they buy the house next door to the one which is an HMO, next to the other one which is an HMO, and they oversupply a very specific area because someone said it was a good idea, and they don't do their own research. So to ensure that you're always going to have tenants, uh, we've got to make sure that you've got a lot of tenants that want rooms in that area. And so three things to look for. Uh, good communication links, only buying within a, a one-mile radius of a train station, uh, making sure there are three major employers and that your population is over 100,000. And if you've got a university, that's a bonus. 
So I think if you follow those those tips, generally you will have better chances of filling your rooms. Love it. Matt, before we sign off, we'd like you to recommend one great HMO resource or book that you'd like to share. Then let HMO Nation know how they can connect with you and then we'll say goodbye. Okay, so I think it's not necessarily an HMO resource. It's more about a a personal management resource and it's a book that I love called The One Thing. And Yes! Oh, well. (laughs) Yeah, and actually... Because there are so many different moving parts in putting HMO together, uh, you, you start getting drawn over here or drawn over there, and you're trying to do a thousand things at once. But the way to achieve success and a successful business is to focus on one thing at a time. It's to, and that book, the one thing, uh, it just really talks about that and, and just prioritizing the thing which is going to make you the, the biggest difference in your life at that time but it's down to the thing which is going to make the biggest difference in your life today. So which of the things that is going around your head is the most important? Do it first. Um, It's a bit like eat that frog uh, as well. So you get it done. It's going to make the biggest difference. And then actually the rest of the stuff then falls into place. You got it. And how about if HMO Nation want to connect with you? Well, um, there's a couple of places you connect with us. So yeah, the website, scottbakerproperties.co.uk. Uh, Scott Baker Properties is myself, Matt Baker, and my business partner, Niall Scott. Uh, my name is not Scott, although I've started to be called <laughs> Scott by some people. Um, but yeah, scottbakerproperties.co.uk. Or you can find us on Facebook uh, forward slash scottbakerproperties. Yeah, I suggest send us an email. Uh, through our website or send me a message via um, our Facebook page. Excellent. Matt, thanks for sharing your journey. We salute you. Let's get an HMO high five and we'll look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks for joining us. If you've enjoyed this and want more informational, educational and inspirational HMO property content, then please hit the subscribe button and give us a like. See you next time.